So uh, we were addressing the the two Babylons uh, in Revelation chapter 17. Um, we were talking about the religious Babylon. And then when we move into 18, we'll be looking at uh, the uh, commerce uh, Babylon or the, the money system of Babylon. And uh, the, we, we talked about how um, the religions uh, of the world, particularly well, in this case, Christianity has, you know, um, pursued the world. They, they have um, blended Christianity uh, with all of the corrupt things of the world. We particularly talked about um you know, uh, the, the worship of uh, Simiramis and Tammuz go all the way back to Babylon and how that has corrupted uh, Christianity and, and a number of other things uh, that, uh, you know, have been spun into all of this. And, and then we were uh, in the midst of talking about uh, where it is located upon these seven hills and described how that's more likely you know, there, there are those that insist that that is, in fact, uh, the Vatican and, um, uh, you know, the Roman Catholic institution, uh, the seven hills uh, that is located on, the seven mountains that is lo located on, uh, absolutely possible. The passage tells us uh, more distinctly that these seven mountains are seven world leaders. Uh, so I am inclined to think that that literal uh, explanation is more, uh, I, you know, the the ten horns rather, which you saw are the ten kings uh, who have received no kingdom as of yet, have received authority for one hour as kings with the beast. I'm at, at uh, chapter 17, verse 12. Uh, these are of one mind. They will give their power and authority to the beast. Um, it's pretty understandable that uh, the European U Union itself uh, claims to be uh, the successor to the Roman uh, Empire. Uh, you know, that was started in its original form in 1957, uh, went through a number of changes to become the European Union uh, with six European nations. Uh, they originally met to talk about combining their nuclear, their coal, their economic resources. They met together in Rome and signed the Treaty of Rome, uh, the beginnings of what is you know, the present-day European Union. Um, you look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 41, where the statue in Nebuchadnezzar's dream is described, where he says, uh, whereas you saw the feet and toes, ten toes, uh, partly of potter's clay, partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. So the strength of Rome, the iron strength of Rome, uh, the weakness in Rome was uh, the actually the, the uh, morality of the... the we should, would better say the immorality of the people and the corruption crept into the government and the betrayals and the backbiting and the backstabbing and uh, ultimately the immorality of the people uh, in, the, in the culture destroyed uh, the entire thing. The remnants of Rome have lingered 
in Europe, uh, the kings, uh, the empires, and they, you know, come and go, rise and fall. And um, was reading a commentary from uh, 1680s, and and uh, the commentator was there saying, uh, you know, we can only imagine how uh, these nations. Uh, will re-solidify themselves and how they will reunite themselves. But given what's being said in the book of Revelation about these ten nations, it must take place, and we will eventually see. So as a prophet, he was predicting that there would be a reunification in Europe and a solidification of these empires and these powers. And, And here we are today, having witnessed it, and, and so many people today, especially in bib- biblical commentary, are looking at it saying, well, I don't know if that's really, it didn't exist, and now it does exist, and, and, and you know, it fits very well into uh, what the scripture is saying. How is it going to play out exactly? Uh, well, uh, you know, as Joe Fosch likes to say, I will be watching from the mezzanine, you know, at that point, witnessing from heaven uh, what's going on? What we can rest assured in is that you know these kingdoms will uh, you know coalesce together and work and become this entity that the um, uh, you know Antichrist uses to uh, gain his foothold and power. So in 1714, uh, just to finish out uh, the end of this chapter. Uh, These will make war with the Lamb. The Lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords, King of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and fruitful. So there's that age-old opposition uh, of uh, the um, uh, world empires uh, with the kingdom of God, as much as at times... They make friends and try to play well together. They are opposed to one another because the kingdoms of men are the kingdoms of earth, are the kingdoms of hell. And, uh, you know, there is one prince and power of the air who's given authority and influence over those. And then there is the kingdom of heaven. And these are as much as at times people want to blend these things together and make them work. That's the harlotry. That, that is being described in the way that eventually, uh, you know, as we're about to see, they turn and attack. In verse 15, then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So, you know, the, the nations of the world uh, that, that um, the harlot is spread out over. The ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So the religion of of the world, which will be prominently, in my opinion, Christian, that has compromised to the nth degree in order to find a way that the world would accept uh, this religion and accept uh, this organization, that's going to come to an end. Um, you know, the emergent church that's working so hard to be the coolest, hippest thing today and draw people in and just seeker friendly coffee house, you know, nothing wrong with 
you know, sort of modernizing the church as long as you hold to the fundamental Christian tenets. But, you know, a lot of the, these modern works are not. They're compromising on every level in order to gain popularity, in order to gain the hearts and minds and the acceptance of people. And I understand, you know, the thinking behind that, like we need an inroad. And, you know, we want to save these people, so let's just tone down our message. That's the lethality of the whole thing, is that because of that, yes, you become intermingled with the world. And in the end, when it comes down to brass tacks and you have to say, no, you do actually have to be married. You can't just cohabitate. You know, you do actually have to quit drinking. You do actually have to quit. You do actually have to start worshiping Jesus Christ and stop being selfish, they turn. The anger, the hatred, why? Because they are of the flesh, they are of the world, they have not submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, and they turn. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. You know, just going to put up with this harlotrous religion that forms and use it and manipulate it to gain control over people and circumstances and groups. And when he's done using it for all of that selfishness and selfish gain, then he's going to destroy it. He's going to attack it. He's going to burn it with fire, you know, eat her flesh. He's going to consume the things of the church. Uh, and historically, this is always what has happened. Let the church be, let the church be until it's time. And then what? Take all of their resources, take their properties, take their funds, take their people, gain total access and control. It's the method. So uh, Joseph Stalin, interestingly enough, said, America is like a healthy body. And you like, well, that's what an interesting thing to say. Thank you very much, Joseph Stalin. Right? It's like a healthy body. And its resistance is threefold. It's patriotism, it's morality, and it's spiritual life. How interesting that he had that much insight into it. He then said, if we can undermine these three areas, America will collapse from within. What has been going on all of this time, right? You know, he said, right, Khrushchev saying, we're not going to attack with missiles. We're going to attack you from inside, particularly your universities. And once we've gained the university, people didn't recognize that. Oh, well, it's just, you know, open, forward thinking. So what that there's, you know, socialists, there's socialism and communism, same thing. So, so what that there's socialists there? I mean, it's university after all. Well, that's where our teachers come from, is, you know, going to be educating our grade school and our elementary school students next. So now 
that it's infiltrated the lower levels of our education system. Everybody's standing around, scratching their head, saying, how do we get here? Communism. It, it's, a, it's an atrocity that uh, our system allows for and is designed to allow so that you know, we have the Communist Party of the United States of America. Uh, that, that is an abomination within itself. 1717, uh, last two verses to close out, for God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. Talked about this this morning, right? We've got to go through the hardships in order to get to the fulfillment. You don't want to do the terrible things, but you got to go through the terrible things in order to get to the fulfillment of his promise. I use the illustration of childbirth. You know, I have witnessed that three times, and there is terrible pain involved. Oh, the fruitfulness of the life that arrives through that process, right? You've got to go through the pain in order to get to that fulfillment. You know, it would be a wonderful thing uh, to not have to experience that, but it's part of the process, and so it is with our existence. God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the word, or the words, plural, of God are fulfilled. The woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Now, here's the thing. In, John, in John's day, that was Rome. So, the world power that ruled over it. It stands to reason that the reformed Roman Empire will be the thing that ends up being that world power and, and having this totalitarian um, you know, voice and, and leadership over the rest of the nations of the world. We're not entirely there yet, but we can see the precursors of that coming. So let's see if we can get through uh, Revelation 18 in the next half hour or so, uh, verse 1. Now we're going to start to address this commerce system and this monetary system more directly. A lot of what we talked about was the religion, yeah, a little bit of sort of overlapping regarding you know politics and uh, commerce and money, but now we specifically focus in on commerce and money. And there's great warnings for the church in regard to this. So Revelation 18, verse 1. After these things, I saw another angel uh, coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. Now, uh, if you study the commentaries, just to forewarn you, there's great debate over whether this is Jesus Christ or not. And there's good reason to think it's not, in fact. Because of the way the phrasing is in the original language, this another angel implies of the same kind. So um, certainly God's glory and his attributes are seen, especially in the angelic hosts. They, they are in his presence. They are obedient to him. They come with all of the similarity of their Lord in it. If if you're really hung up on it and you want to make it Jesus, you know I'm not going to do any big arguing uh, about that. I think it's inappropriate and I think it lends to an improper view. If you're sitting there right now, the few of us in the study thinking don't really care, 
<laughs> uh, well, the thing is, uh, you're probably, you're serious students, you're probably going to run into the commentators who make a big deal of it. And uh, just so you know, I, I am convinced this is another angel, not uh, Jesus Christ. It's of the same order. So these things I saw, another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, the earth was illuminated with his glory, and he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Now, I'll just tell you, if you go back and listen to some of my old recordings on this, I draw a great parallel between what occurred on 9-11 and the attack on the Twin Towers in this passage. And I stand by that. Um, I make the statement that it's not a fulfillment of Revelation chapter 18. It, it was indeed a precursor. Um, and it should stand as a warning to every one of us that, uh, you know, if we can see those things transpire in one hour, in one hour, when we're reading this and you sort of think of like this great catastrophe happening in a single hour, you know, you, if you, if you take an attitude, like, come on, how could that ever happen? Look back to nine 11 and you know, look how dramatically the world changed in less than 60 minutes. So much transpired. And there are many, many parallels, including the fact that Babylon the Great is fallen, fallen. You know, two towers came down. Again, not the fulfillment, uh, but I think that it is so poignant. You know, to me, it's like uh, you've got to get up at 6.30, that's the deadline, so you set your alarm clock uh, for 6.15. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it goes off, and you slap the snooze button, and you think, I got 15 more minutes. Well, you know, 9-11 occurred. It's time to wake up. You know, I would say that wasn't even the snooze. That was a lot of people hit the snooze button, went right back to sleep. Churches were full, and then they went right back to normal. Okay, people went back to sleep. It's time to wake up. And if that was, you know, in 2001, certainly 20 years later, that's hard to imagine, right? Certainly 20 years later, it's time to wake up. You know, you've overslept. <laughs> if you've made it in 2020, you know, 2021 and you haven't committed your life to Christ and taken these things seriously, it's not time to snap, snap to attention and and uh, obey the Lord with your life. So they've become this, you know, Babylon has become this demonic place, prison of every foul spirit and every unclean bird. Remember that it said that because we're going to look at Zechariah in just a minute and a reference to unclean birds in regard to monetary systems in just a moment. So it's become a, you know, a foul spirit in the cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and we, we dwelt on that at length in chapter 17 about the blood of the martyrs and uh, the, the fornication that went on there. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. The merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Now look, if there's a nation in the world that applies to its America, it certainly applies to the Western world as a whole, but 
America is just so full of abundance. Uh, you know, the, the nations of the world would love to move here and just live in our dumps because of everything that we throw away that would be useful to them. Third world countries could thrive on our landfills and the food and the products that we throw away. They are without. They are completely without. Um, if you have ever had spare change in your life, right? I've, I've got three locations for spare change in my life. I hate to say it. It's a condemnation. I hate carrying around change in my pocket. Dump it in. I never use an ashtray, so I dump it in the ashtray of my truck. I have a small can in my office, and I have a large can at home. And the ashtray in my truck and the small can in my office get consolidated into the big can at home, and then they go to the bank and get recycled into money and put in the bank account. If you've ever had, ever, had spare money in your life, coins that you're like, I don't have any use for this right now. You're in the top 10% of the wealthy people in the world. It's remarkable. Uh, given where we are and the things that we have, the few of us in this room, we are probably in the top 5% of the people in the world. Most of the world, most of the world, is in an impoverished state well below us, right? We see, I saw, you know, I don't know how much a McLaren goes for a supercar, you know, but I saw a McLaren in Ellsworth yesterday driving down the road, you know, and we look at them and we think, oh, now they're wealthy. Listen, much of the world has never owned a car, period, right? I, I, I have two, <laughs> you know. It's, it's crazy. So, so we have to take to heart what's being said about the deceptiveness of riches and luxury. That's the entirety of this chapter right here, is how corrupting riches and luxury are. There's a whole chapter of the Bible dedicated to the Holy Spirit saying to us, you as believers, be warned. Regarding the judgment that's going to come to business, commerce, wealth. Pay attention to yourself in the process. Zechariah the prophet was speaking to the nation of Israel in Zechariah. There's a few verses we need to look at. So you might want to turn uh, with me over to Zechariah uh, in the Old Testament and take a look at chapter 5 uh, with me. Zechariah chapter 5, verse 5. Here, the Lord is addressing the fact that the nation of Israel has been sent into captivity in Babylon. And while they're in captivity in Babylon, they're not allowed to be landowners. So therefore, they're not allowed to be farmers to the degree that they were when they were inside their homeland. They can farm the land, but it's because they're slaves and they're working for someone else. What Babylon does allow them to do is to become financers. So they learn the process of money. They, they go from, right, and, and it is a racist thing, but does not the world talk about the nation of Israel, the Jews and their money, okay? 
it, it is a corrupt thing and it's a racist thing to talk about them that way. But here's the thing. They come back from the captivity and they're not very good at farming. They learn it all over again, but they've abandoned it and moved into basically banking is their whole process. Zechariah chapter 5, verse 5, the angel who talked with me came out and said to me, lift up your eyes now and see what this is that goes forth. So I asked, what is it? He said, it is a basket that is going forth. He also said, this is their resemblance throughout the earth. Here is a lead disc lifted up, and this is a and this is a woman sitting inside the basket. Okay, a little confusing, but how about this? We've been talking about a woman. Okay, she is Babylon, right? Here, talking about a woman. Lead disc, this is the scales. So you put the lead weight on one side, and you put the grain or whatever on the other side. This is trade. This is the balances that we're talking about. Okay, This is commerce and money. This woman in the basket and the lead waits with her. Then he said, this is wickedness. See how it's in quote brackets. See how... It has a capital T on the this and a capital W on the wickedness and an exclamation point follows. That's exactly how it's intended. This is wickedness. And he thrust her down into the basket and threw the lead cover over its mouth. We're going to use this to seal it up. Then I raised my eyes and looked. <clears throat> and there were two women coming with the wind in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. And there's the foul bird we were talking about. Right? The Babylon has become a place of all these evil spirits and every unclean bird. And the stork was an unclean bird to them, easily identified too. You see it in flight and you go, well, that's a stork right there. It was a bird that was unclean to the Jews. So in this... It needs to be done away with. They have these two women coming with a wind in their wings, and they have wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. So I said to the angel who talked with me, where are they carrying the basket? And he said to me to build a house for it in the land of Shinar, where it is ready. The basket will be set there on its base Babylon it's going to be carried back to the place it came from they came from the captivity back to Israel and brought with them this wicked harlotrous adulterous woman that is associated with the scales of commerce and it's an abominable, unclean thing and needs to fly back to the place where it was flown from. God wants to get rid of it. He wants to send it back. There is some speculation based upon this <clears throat> that Zachariah is actually 
predicting that Babylon, as we're reading about in Revelation 18, in Iraq will be reestablished. There, there are some that have predicted that throughout time. You know, certainly Saddam Hussein made a great effort at trying to re rebuild the historic location of uh, Babylon. There's still some work going on there to this day, but it's more like a museum piece. Um, something interesting about the excavations that have been done is they really do believe uh, with the greatest sincerity that they've actually found the original foundations of the Tower of Babel, the original tower, which this is going to be carried back and the basket will be set on its base, its foundation, its place of origin. So there's, there's something there to examine uh, prophetically that uh, we may see a rise of, uh, you know, Iraq. And it's, it is, you know, the wealth of its oil fields is still there. You know, there, there's incredible power in uh, the money that comes from the petroleum that is housed underneath the ground. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to see where we are and uh, potentially what might be developed. But back to this judgment of Babylon in Revelation 18. We left off at verse 4. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues. Okay, like just stop the Bible study, close the book, go home. There's your answer right there. If you're a believer, depart from it. Leave behind the wickedness of money, of commerce, of business. I don't mean leave behind business. I don't mean leave behind money. I don't mean leave behind commerce. I mean the wickedness of it. Uh, that is a very precarious thing. How to accomplish that, right? We're going to examine, uh, you know, hopefully before the end of the study, Jesus saying it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I've just classified every one of us in this room within the top 5% of the wealthy of the world. So, you know, it needs to take a broken heart for every one of us to examine what are we doing with the resources and the wealth that the Lord has bestowed upon us. How how are we using it? So here, the command or the encouragement, the insistence, come out. Don't you don't want to receive anything of the plagues that are coming on her? Verse five, for her sins have reached to heaven. Now, uh, that's an interesting phraseology. Uh, the way that uh, it is written is uh, very reflective of what uh, Nimrod said in building the Tower of Babel. Let, it, let us build this tower and we'll reach heaven in the process. You know, we'll be able to uh, accomplish, you know, our godhood, our, our entire fulfillment in these things. Um <clears throat> I'm an old classic rocker, listened to all of that stuff along the way. And I think uh, Christianity um, was so judgmental and so overreactionary that very often they miss great messages uh, that were uh, contained in certain songs. Certainly not encouraging anyone to go back and, you know, include classic rock in your library. Uh, I don't know, anywhere along the way, some, there's some real garbage there. But, um, you know, Stairway to Heaven uh, is basically a lot of this. 
this message right here, the deception of wealth and how there's a final judgment, uh, you know, that, that needs to be had. Um, I, I heard the commentary from Glenn Fry on, you know, separate song, uh, like hotel California. And, uh, you know, uh, he himself talked about it as being, he didn't use the word prophetic, but, um, like a foreshadowing or forewarning to youth to avoid losing their innocence. And he, he talked about how, uh, in his opinion, Hotel California was a song. I mean, he wrote it, but Hotel California was a song about losing your innocence and how you can never go back. You know, you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. Once you've crossed certain lines, there's there's no restoring those things back to yourself. Uh, you know, wasn't it Kansas that did the song "Carry On My Wayward Son"? And you know, there there are, there are messages. That, uh, you know, I mean, you, you got to consider that, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, right, flips his lid, loses his mind, uh, eating grass like an ox, uh, you know, comes to his senses, and then that pagan king writes a whole chapter of the Bible. So, you know, God is dealing with these people, and at times, some of the messages that come through are really pretty remarkable about how the Lord, and Terry Livgren uh, you know, uh, of um, Kansas, came to know the Lord, submitted his life to Jesus Christ, produced and wrote gospel albums, you know, and, and some of those songs that we hear, All We Are Is Dust in the Wind, you know, came from when he was reading uh, the book of Ecclesiastes as an unbeliever and realizing, oh my goodness, you know, I got, everybody dies, what am I going to do, was sort of, you know, what he was realizing there. So, that was a long rabbit trail. Uh, the, the point being that even the pagans understand that wealth can't buy your soul. You cannot save yourself with wealth. There is a judgment uh, to come. So, you know, leave, uh, get out of these things. Uh, the sins have reached to heaven. God has remembered her iniquities. Not that he forgot about them. It's the idea of like get the record out and let's examine let's let's call to memory uh, her iniquities rendered her just as she rendered to you repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed mixed double for her the double we hear fallen fallen mixed double give her a double portion is uh the idea it's a poetic idea of she was already judged in the past, and she will again be judged in the future. That her 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 judgment is ever present. It, it's it's a continuous thing. Like God, uh, you know, punishes his children, but they repent, and he lifts the punishment. Not so with Babylon. Her punishment is eternal. It is sealed. It, it, you know, Jesus at times saying. Uh, to us even verily verily you know the intensity of the double portion the double statement uh, that's that's being pronounced within that mixed double for her and the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously in the same measure give her torment and sorrow to the height she is risen, risen plunge her into the depths of you know equal measure yeah, that that's that's a you know a thought of reality. You know, if if you were 
extraordinarily high and you fell and just came to the place that you started, well, I mean, you've fallen the entire distance that you rose. But if you fall beyond your starting point to a depth that you originally rose to, there's a double portion in that. You end up in much worse condition than where you began in the process. And, and you know, that is a, a spiritual eternal punishment that's being spoken of there. She glorified herself, let her be thrust down into the depths of the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, I am no widow, and I will not see sorrow. I wonder what the end will be for the Statue of Liberty. With a crown upon her head, as she stands there and you know, beckons to the world and says, come, bring me your tired, your huddled masses. For what? You know, even, even the filth of prosperity in this nation has corrupted so many. You know, add to that the sexual perversion and the drunkenness and the thievery and the murders and the, all that goes on that is corrupt. Uh, and and she stands there statuesque, you know, as though she's still she should hang her head, she should bow her knee, <laughs> she should live in sorrow. You know, no people say, oh, you know, the glory that oh, I could long for the glory and the light of our nation. Remember how the Philistines captured the ark of God and put it in the house of Dagon, right? What happens to Dagon? They go in the next day and he's face down before the, the uh, you know, Ark of God worshiping. You know, they leave their God alone with the God of Israel and they come back the next day and there's a worship meeting going on. Dagon is worshiping the God of Israel. And they stand him back up and prop him up and, you know, make him look good. They come back the next day and his head has been cut off and his hands have been cut off and they are on the threshold. Of the door. That is a remarkable thing. I, I wonder what lies in store for the Queen of Wisdom and the Queen of Freedom, the Statue of Liberty. I, I honor Statue of Liberty and what she originally stood for. Don't get me wrong. This nation is a haven of worship and freedom that, that God ordained. I'm a patriot to the core on these issues, but the corruption without repentance. What do we have to offer the world without repentance? We're so vile. We lead the world in every vice, and we export it to the whole world. It's a horror that we are engaged in. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges her. You know, if you had said, the Twin Tower is going to come down in a single day, burned with fire, utterly obliterated, people would have mocked you. And in one hour, as it's about to describe. Again, not fulfilling Revelation 18, but showing us a precursor. God is going to perform his judgments. And it will occur exactly according to what he has said. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her. When they see the smoke of her burning. Remember seeing uh, all of that island covered in smoke and just 
peeling off, billowing smoke, rolling out of that city. Just such a remarkable thing. We'll come, the, the full uh, torment of Babylon is going to happen, and the whole world is going to see it. Standing at a distance for fear of her torment, they emptied New York Harbor. No one could travel in or out. No airplanes could travel. Remember the groundings of all that? They, they have to stand at a distance. Great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour her judgment has come. And it's still coming. It's on its way. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys her merchandise anymore. There's a permanency to these following statements. Done. No more. It's not going to creep back and slowly be restored so that everyone will someday be able to say, whoa, that was tough, and now I'm glad we're over it. There is a permanency to what is coming. You know, commerce and trade has been restored to New York City. And, you know, all the shipping industry has returned. Uh, there's going to come a judgment that there will be no recovery from. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet and Gucci. And, you know, name the list of all of the luxurious items and Lamborghini and Mercedes. And, you know, the, the, the list is long, right, of yachts and wealth, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze and iron and marble and cinnamon and incense, even, you know, perfumes and oils and fragrance and essential oils, you know, frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, bodies and souls of men. You know, labor and work and workforces. It's so interesting, again, as a precursor, it was the World Trade Center that was hit. And all of these things were affected, dramatically affected. Buy, sell, and trade, buy, sell, and trade, buy, sell, and trade on the stock exchange, on the floor. Gone in a moment. Right? And, and the world fell back to sleep. <laughs> you know? The, the, the terror came in a moment, in a single day, in one hour. And the world woke up horrified and scrambled, ran around like a chicken with its head cut off, and went back to sleep. Oh, this judgment is coming. And that judgment, and it was a judgment of God. People argue about those. Yeah, that was a judgment of God. And, and there, that, but that was not this judgment. And this judgment is still in its way, and it's going to eclipse that judgment. It's going to have a permanency. It's going to have a severity. You know, it, it should be the thing where you look at it and go, if that can happen, this can happen. It should wake the world up. I, I, a lot of people, when I make these parallels, a lot of people say you shouldn't do that because the parallel of 9-11 is not this. I, I find 9-11 to be very gracious, that God is saying to us, look, look at what I can do. One day, one hour, I can do all of these things, all of these things on a small scale. There's a day coming where I'm going to do them on a worldwide scale with a permanent punishment to it. There will be no recovering from it when I hit you the next time. 
wake up and obey the God who created you. The fruit that your soul longed for uh, has gone from you. And all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you. And you shall find them no more at all. The permanency of these things. The merchants of these things who became rich uh, by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, the great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who traveled by ship, sailors, and as many as traded on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? And yet it's been destroyed. How about 18 verse 19? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich, by her wealth, for in one hour she's made desolate, right? When we mourn, when we're filled with torment and sorrow and our hearts are broken, we don't throw dust on our heads. That's an old world, ancient custom of the Middle East. And yet, did you not see image after image after image of people rushing out of that destruction covered in dust? weeping and wailing. And do we not now suspect that even some of the illness and disease that has come was from the destruction and the smoke and all of the building materials those people inhaled? You know, the the things the Lord says will be fulfilled to the exact, right? When Jesus says not one dot nor one tittle will be removed from this before all these things be fulfilled. The least stroke of a pen is going to be accomplished. The old rabbis used to say, when Messiah comes, he will not only interpret for us the book, he will not only interpret for us the passage, he will not only interpret for us the sentences, he will not only interpret for us the words, he will interpret for us the spaces between the words. Every last thing in this book is going to be accomplished. You can't just breeze over this and be like, oh, right, dust on their heads. No, they, they, if he says there's going to be dust on their heads, guess what? There will be dust on their heads as they weep and as they mourn. These things will be accomplished. You know, all the ships driven out of the harbor. And all of the merchants had to stand at a distance and weep and wail over that burning city is a total loss of finance for us. Every day we sit out here with this shipment, it's spoiling, it's rotting, we're losing money by the minute. And that's exactly what's going to happen. 9-11, small foreshadowing of what is to come. Small foreshadowing. So, one hour she's made desolate. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. 
And again, I'll point to the fact that America purchases so much product from nations that enslave their people. But we are singularly responsible for most of the world's slavery because more than anything, China. China is, you know, much of their workforce is Christian slave labor. They've imprisoned them and they force them to work and they make products and they send them to the They don't have to pay prisoners. They pay the rest of their citizens, you know, pennies a day. Pennies a day. Uh, but those that are prisoners, they don't have to pay them anything. They're prisoners. They're wards of the state. So uh, they slave labor. Our dollars pay for that to take place. Yes. So uh, rejoice over her, O heaven, you holy apostles, for God has avenged you on her. Verse 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down. It shall not be found any more. The sound of the harpist, musician, flutist, trumpeters shall not be heard in you any more. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you any more. The sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you any more. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of the bridegroom, the bride, shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants or the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. Oh, there's a point to dwell on. The sorcery, the pharmakia, the pharmaceuticals bring about the deception. A world that is filled with depression and anxiety and torment is being sedated by the drugs that are being produced. That's the word that's used here. The sorcery is pharmakia, pharmaceutical, pharmacist. You know, whether it be, I, I, I just can't even tell you how outraged I am over the legalization of marijuana and the way that our culture. But, you know, let's back up. Much more destructive, much more damaging than all of these other drugs, alcohol. Way more poisonous, way more poisonous to the human body. Way more poisonous to the human body. Oh, well, people die instantaneous uh, from fentanyl. Yeah, they do. Right. But let's look at the numbers of people that are crippled and killed and destroyed and maimed by alcohol use. And the church sits around and plays with it. Like, is this really a serious thing? Do we have to? It's amazing what the world has caused us to compromise on. And this whole process that is here, the sorcery of all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and of all who were slain on the earth. And again, I'll point to our monetary agreements with these nations that are so opposed to Christianity. You know, what an outrage that our, you know, Barack Obama and Joe Biden sent $19 billion to Iran. <clears throat> I just saw a speaker who uh, spoke at the pastor's conference who was imprisoned for nine weeks in Iran for just preaching. Just opening his mouth and preaching, imprisoned 
and he was in uh, in for nine weeks under the threat of execution for preaching. They made up no other uh, accusation against him, just you're here as a missionary, so we're going to kill you. And we sent that country $19 billion? It's outrageous that we do these things. I want to take the time to just run quickly through um, a number of things regarding money from the Scripture. So please let me run through this. Proverbs 1.19, So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owner. Proverbs 11.4, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Proverbs 16.16, How much better to get wisdom than gold to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Proverbs 23.5, Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 uh, verses 10 through 13, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners except to see them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. There is a severe evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches kept for the owner to his own hurt. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, Jesus speaking, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Luke 12, verses 20 and 21. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Matthew 19, verses 23 and 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Luke sixteen thirteen: no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve God and mammon. Luke 18, verses 22 through 24. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. And there's the key point. Come, follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. 1 Timothy chapter 6 of verses 9 and 10. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. 
for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Just three more references. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. James chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, we should all be familiar with. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you. You and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Lastly, as an encouragement, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Come out of Babylon, leave her behind. Most of us understand these premises. It's important that we live this way, that we are not captured by the things that the world entices us with. Just constantly presenting us with the new and the latest thing, luring our hearts away. Start with the godliness. Work on the godliness. Pursue the godliness. Let it produce the contentment from your relationship with the Lord and understand that that is all you're looking for. That's the great gain that you're looking for. So that's Revelation chapter 18. Why don't we pray and then we'll stay in fellowship for a little while. Father, we thank you uh, for your word and its usefulness in our lives, the work of your Holy Spirit in our hearts. Lord, please minister to us. Help us to be men and women that are truly surrendered to you, that we could see your work being done in our lives, even with our money, even with our wealth, that we would be about the work of the kingdom, accomplishing your will. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.